Someday, years from now, we're going to actually understand there will be studies to try to figure out how a person like Antonio Brown even existed inside of this world and how he manages to continue to exist within it. I'm Carlos Alcazar, one of the co-hosts of the Unnecessary Nonsense podcast. So I'm recording this little uh, preamble prior to the podcast that we recorded uh, this weekend, actually during the, during the football games on Sunday afternoon. Obviously, the uh, allegations against Antonio Brown did not come out at that time, so we're going to make references to, obviously, the Monday Night Football game and everything. Unfortunately, life gets in the way. Uh, we have real jobs, so I can generally edit it within a day or two of when we record it, so sometimes we'll we'll be a little out of sync. So a little forewarning about that. Uh, Dave and myself will be talking about the Monday Nighter that already happened. But as far as the Antonio Brown uh, story is concerned, uh, we talk about Antonio Brown a lot on this podcast, and I make fun of certain aspects about how nonsensical Antonio Brown is as an individual and some of the weird decisions he makes. This story obviously talks about the past, even before the, the recent things with Pittsburgh and the recent things with Oakland, and now as a member of the New England Patriots, Antonio Brown was, has been accused of rape in a lawsuit, Something uh, three incidents of sexual assault in 2017 and 2018 against a woman who attended college with him. There's a lot of stories out there about it. Obviously, in the podcast, since it was recorded in the past, we're not going to make reference to it. I will come back, and on the YouTube channel, Unnecessary Nonsense Podcast, I'll record something. I'm going to, I'm going to refrain. Even in this uh, little preamble from giving more of an opinion on it yet, because right now the story just broke a couple of hours ago. So realistically, there's not too much for me to add at the moment. I will say, though, as just a general overarching theme to give you a bit of an idea where I stand on it, I actually don't care whether he's guilty or not. That's an issue for the court, and it is a civil suit. So it is a so you know it's not a criminal action. It's a, it's a civil suit. If anything happens, money is going to change hands. But that's beside the point. Really what it comes down to is not so much whether Antonio Brown is guilty of anything or not, because I can't decide that. I'm not going to legislate it or litigate it on a podcast or on a YouTube video or anywhere else. But what I will say is, regardless of whether he is guilty or not, regardless of whether this is true or not, at this point Antonio Brown is a magnet for distraction. Almost everything the man seems to do seems to court it, and somehow it just seems appropriate that right at this time as he's going into another phase of his career... Something else crops up, and it feels like that's always the case with Antonio Brown now. There's always something, and even if it's something in the past, and it just happens to come out now. Regardless, like I said, whether you believe it or not is a different conversation, which I'm not going to have now, but I will say that I strongly believe, genuinely feel that if Antonio Brown wasn't as polarizing a figure as he is right now, that he wouldn't be attracting so many of these things all at the same time. We'll see in the long run how this one plays out, and again, there will be more comments on it going forward, but in case you're curious why there was no reference to it on the podcast, that's the reason why. So thanks very much for allowing me to have this little preamble. Now I'm going to get back to the regularly scheduled podcast already in progress. If he had made it onto the field in Oakland, he would have been guaranteed $14.5 million, could have still gotten himself cut, and would have pocketed that money, and Oakland would have been on the hook for it. That's the Kaiser Soze master plan move. That's how you do it. This is just stupid. That went yeah. the way. Get the $14.5 million from Oakland and then go to New England anyway. I don't disagree with you. Who's advising this man? This man needs a role model. What is wrong with this guy? I mean, he needs Carlos. That's what he needs. Yeah, like this could have been – if we're going to do petty, I'm good at that. This is the advice I would give you. Get the money from Oakland and from New England. That's the boss move. Oh, Antonio, when will you learn? <laughs> We're listening to episode 30 of the Unnecessary Nonsense Podcast, the podcast of two unqualified idiots rambling on sports topics they'd like to know nothing about, especially this week, for an indeterminate timeline and hastily thrown together format. Brought to you this week by Don't Overreact to Week One. Don't panic. Don't do it. I'm Carlos Alcazar, and with me as always is Dave Turnbull. 
And that sound you hear in the background is Cleveland Brown fans already overreacting. Well, it's uh, the, the thing is, I say this facetiously, but I'm being completely serious. Week one is the ultimate for overreacting. We've, we're right now recording this kind of in the afternoon of week one, but already there's been a couple of things that come off the page, and we'll talk about a little bit of them. So news and notes will be mostly focusing on kind of some of the early stories coming out of week one, even as week one is in progress. We haven't even, we're still in the, af- the late afternoon games, and we haven't even gotten to the evening games, and then we've got the doubleheader on Monday. So there's plenty of football still to be had between now and the end of Monday night, early, early Tuesday morning. But already there's been some intrigue. And then I want to let Dave have his two cents on the Antonio Brown um, saga that has taken on twists and turns and twists and turns. And that was just on Saturday. So I did a unnecessary nonsense podcast extra where I kind of outlined my perception on it. So I'm not going to rehash all the same ground, but I will hit on a couple of those key points. But the reality is there was a lot. I was able to go on for about 20 minutes just outlining an outline of all the things that have been going on since the end of 2017 with Antonio Brown leading to him signing with the New England Patriots. But before we get to all that, a couple of early kind of stories happening right now. The Jacksonville Jaguars game became a lot more important than it had been because Nick Foles ended up going out early with a shoulder injury. And the update on that now is that Nick Foles is actually out with a broken clavicle and surgery is set for Monday. So already the Nick Foles era in Jacksonville is not off to the greatest start in the world. Although I was kind of surprised that the hit didn't result in some kind of a penalty which is kind of, especially since it literally knocked Nick Foles out of that game, so much for protecting the quarterback, I guess. Yeah, it's. I mean, I didn't see the hit. I just read about it and heard about the injury, but it's one of those things that it's it's almost like, hey, guess what? He is the Carson Wentz this year. You know, it's sort of revolves are reversed, although with different teams. And there's no Blake Bortles to come in and save him. Yes, yes. If only Blake Bortles had been there to save him, it would have changed everything. As far as uh, as far as the hit was concerned, the hit was fine for me. The issue, I think, that uh, some folks would take umbrage with it is the fact that the player still followed through and then kind of got to pu- push all his weight down where it fell basically on the clavicle, and that's what caused the damage. Having a gigantic man crush you underneath and drop, fall basically right on your shoulder is not going to do good things for you. It'll do it every time. Yeah. So that's, uh, you know, obviously an early story. Another early story is Lamar Jackson offense. 59 points on the Miami Dolphins. Reason why I say don't overreact? Number one, it is the Miami Dolphins. And it was the and it was the Fitz magic that became more Fitz tragic. It's not it's it's not a good team in Miami. Have you been saving that one up? The Fitz tragic? No, that's not new. That's old. That's been a, I have not heard that one yet. I like it. It's been around for quite some time. So that the reality is that Fitzpatrick was not going to do anything special. Everybody kind of knew that. It was reality. The the reality of it was that I don't think anybody expected them to almost put up 60. So I, I, did, I don't think anybody thought that Miami would be that bad defensively. They're bad. No. But I don't My th- favorite thing is uh, Lamar Jackson after his comment. Did you hear it? He said, not bad for a running back, eh? Well, that's just it. You know, the knock on him is that supposedly he can't throw. But the reality is he's, he was a rookie quarterback last year. There is supposed to be some room for development. And obviously he can make some throws, and he has the ability to do that. And a lot of it is also going to come down to his offensive weapons. And he has Hollywood Brown, who actually was able to light it up in that game. So if he's able to feature as a wide receiver with his speed, then that's another weapon. And it'll Lamar Jackson will look a lot better to you in terms of overall offense if he's able to use his arm in addition to being able to use his legs. Because the truth is, he's a guy who could be a 1,000-yard rusher as a quarterback. But then if he can add on 3,000 yards passing, oh, he becomes a monster. Because oh, but hey, 324 yards uh, passing today with five touchdowns, five passing touchdowns. That's what I'm saying. It's it, 
if he's able to add that aspect to his game, and that's where the development has to go, if he's able to add that piece, he becomes a monster, just flat out, because then you have to try to account for all manner. It basically becomes the Michael Vick problem again, that he that was when he was in his prime. You don't know what you have to account for, and it's just a matter of if he can make sure that his throws are up to the caliber of his running ability, he, be, he becomes a true dual threat. And those guys are great to have on a team, and it makes you dangerous going down the road. But I won't put too much stock on the kind of offensive numbers he was able to put up against Miami. So again, don't overreact to week one, but it was very good, and it was impressive. Along the same vein, Marcus Mariota is clearly a much better quarterback than Baker Mayfield. Or that's what a 43-13 score would lead you to believe. Again, don't overreact to week one. I will say that I'm not as high on Cleveland as some folks. I think they will be better. But at the same time, what does better mean? They've been bad for a long time. So better could still mean be right on the cusp of the playoffs or maybe fall just short of it. That would still be better overall. It's just hard to say because there's a lot of new pieces there in Cleveland. And what are you expecting like out of them? And a lot of people are putting a lot of stock in Baker. what Baker Mayfield has shown. He's shown some stuff. But at the same time, it's like, okay, you've shown some stuff. What does that actually translate to in a full season where now you don't have your head coach necessarily holding you back? You know, Hugh Jackson isn't there, but he's also not your scapegoat anymore because now he's gone. So it's not up to him anymore, and you can't point to him and say he's the reason why. This time it's on you and Freddie Kitchens to figure it out. They have it. And supposedly they have weapons, you know, Odell and all that. And Njoku, and I like Nick Chubb. Like, there's there's good players. Jarvis Landry. Like, there's a lot of talent on that side of the field. The question is if it can translate. My bigger concern for Cleveland is you gave a 43 to Marcus Mariota. That's a lot of points. Forget about forget about the fact you only scored 13. How about the fact you gave up 43? That, that would be a concern for me. Exactly. Outside of that, is there anything else that uh, kind of stood out to you? Because those are the two biggest numbers that came on the board. Kansas City did their job against Jacksonville, obviously. You know, like I said, Nick Foles went down early, so he wasn't really involved in it much at all. There's a couple things. Um... McCaffrey went off today sure. for Carolina, which I mean isn't I guess totally unexpected. Uh, you know that people are are expecting him to be good things. He was obviously ranked extremely high in fantasy as well, so that always helps. But you know he had 128 rushing yards today, two TDs. He also had 10 receptions for 81 yards. Yeah, and I think that's one of those situations of um, where Cam Newton really wasn't getting off to a good start. Like, I could see he looked like he was struggling a little bit. And that's where you rely on some of your other offensive weapons. And when you do that, it, it allows for some really big games for them. I think, though, what they're going to need, though, going forward is they're going to need the, Cam Newton's going to have to step up and be the guy. If Christian McCaffrey can do his job, that's going to be fantastic. That's only going to help. But Cam Newton still needs to do his job. Otherwise, it's not gonna it's not gonna go well. And at the end of the day, they did end up making a game out of it. So it was thirty to twenty seven. So it's not like they got blown out, but they struggled early in that game. And um, it really comes down to what they're able to put together for a full game, and if Cam Newton is able to actually step up and provide that for them. One other one I kind of want to mention is uh, the seventeen sixteen barn burner in. Uh, <laughs> For the, for the Jets taking on the Buffalo Bills. It was two young quarterbacks, and it was uh, another case similar to the opening night game in thir- uh, Thursday night where you just saw two offenses completely overmatched by the defenses. And, again, it's hard to tell. Are the offenses not that good? I don't think so. I, I have high hopes for Sam Darnold. But what I'm looking at is just the fact that they struggled to kind of move the ball around a little bit. And the Jets were only up 6 to nothing despite the fact that Buffalo gave up the ball for four turnovers in the first half. 
that's not a good sign. When you have four turnovers in your favor in the first half, you should be in the process of blowing out the other team. Absolutely. So that's not 100%. Good. So I think that was the story, really. And also the fact that the Jets can't rely on their kicker because they missed a extra point and a field goal in the first half. Again. Yep. And that came back to haunt them. Yeah. And th- there's your difference in the game. So it's not like it's not like either team really has anything to hang their head on. Both teams should be looking at it going, we need to improve some stuff because this is not going to work. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And for Josh Allen, hold on to the damn football. That's really going to be important. And also develop a tendency. You have to find the time and the place. Sometimes just throw it away because he was trying to make a couple of too many things happen. And, and that led to some problematic things that could have also been turnovers. They could have been yeah, interceptions. Which is typical of young quarterbacks, right, to trying to make a name for themselves and things like that, trying to trying to make the play. And, you know, sometimes it's better just to take the sack or throw it out of bounds. Yeah, this is where the this is where the coaching comes in, and they have to really tell him, like, you know what? For now, just throw it away in that situation. Get it out of your hands and move on. Exactly. So for exactly. Me, a couple of the early ones. Atlanta disappointed, I would say, against Minnesota. Um, for the most part, a lot of this is is interesting, but there wasn't a lot of craziness to it. Um, Philadelphia did end up hanging on to beat Washington. The score, I think, was more flattering than the game was exciting. I I, I was watching bits and pieces of that game. I didn't think it was particularly good, but like. 32-27 looks good on paper. It looks like a decent game. I'm looking forward more to, I think, the Monday night games. New Orleans-Houston should be interesting, and I'm also looking forward to, obviously, the Sunday nighter. The Pittsburgh Steelers and the New England Patriots takes on a whole new interesting level. Although he's not allowed to play, I wouldn't be surprised if Antonio Brown was in uniform for New England. Well, why not? Just mess with him. It'd be the, it'd be the content thing to do. Bill Belichick, you know what to do. Get on it. Exactly. Anything else stuck out to you in the early part of a uh, week? No, uh, I'm going to leave it at that for now. As far as other news and notes before, I'm going to stick to the Antonio Brown thing as the main topic because I think it's still the most interesting story going on right now. There's a, there's a bunch of other little things. Is there any other news and notes you want to hit on before we get there? Uh, you know what? Uh, no, and believe it or not, I am not going to have a pretentious cross-country running report this week, but I promise the loyal listeners that it will be back. Don't worry. I don't know if you can hear in the background. I think I think there was just fireworks going off. It was weird. I, I don't think that's legal at this time of year. It's, it's, it's off. But anyway, fair enough. The only other thing that I'll add then is, again, I mentioned, do not overreact to week one. But it is going to be interesting to see. Injuries are going to be impactful. Because the Nick Foles thing in Jacksonville, that's going to be an interesting thing to follow. That's unfortunate for them because they were really, it's, it's in week one. Like, you didn't even get a chance to even see what potentially they could have done with it or what it would have looked like. So that's really unfortunate. I don't know what that's going to do to the rest of the team and how they're going to have to kind of rally around it or what length of time that's going to take Foles out for. But it is going to be interesting. I don't know um, long-term what we've learned from that because we didn't get the chance to see very much. Philadelphia, as I said, didn't impress me too much. I'm not too worried about Cleveland outside of the fact they gave up all those points. And I don't think anybody's going to particularly look great uh, in week one here unless they have one of those flat-out blowout games. Lamar Jackson is basically the big winner of week one. I think uh, I think he's the guy who gets the most uh, out of this uh, so far in this section of it. With that said, let's go into the main topic, which is Antonio Brown. I've already given kind of the outline. If you want to check it out and you're already on the podcast feed, you can hear a full breakdown. And I also will include the exact same article, which includes the Antonio Brown timeline, in the show notes for this show. But I'll tell you what, Dave, you already kind of know what I had to say about it. I spent about 20 minutes talking about it. What are you, what are you thinking about the Antonio Brown thing? Well, I want to I want to bring up one thing first, which is it's related, but isn't really about my feelings about it. But I think it's really funny. So the score, which is a basically a sports website, sports app, I uh, used to be what I would call it is I'd call it the equivalent of FS1 in Canada. So TSN is your ESPN. Let's call that the equivalent of FS1. 
Okay, but it isn't on TV anymore because it's taken over by Sportsnet, but they still have the app and stuff. Yeah, sure. Okay, anyway. uh, So they put out a, because it's the NFL 100 season, they put out a 100 predictions. You know, some very tongue-in-cheek, you know, others serious, and they acknowledge the fact at the end that a lot they're going to get a lot wrong, but just kind of something fun to go into the season with. But number 59 on the list was that Antonio Brown was going to break the Raiders' records for yards and catches in a single season. Well, that one went bad before the season even started. Uh, so I think, am I surprised? No, I don't think you can be surprised with Antonio Brown anymore. Uh, I mean, I think you hit on most of the really good and important points. The one thing I, I will mention in sort of my thinking is I'm not surprised that he went to New England. I'm not surprised that that's where he ended up. And I'm not talking about because of some conspiracy theory. I'm talking that way because it, it seems to be some of those players that have a harder edge to them, if you will, you know, have gone to New England in the past and, and been successful, but somewhat under the radar I'm thinking Randy Moss as sort of the big option there. Now, obviously, Randy Moss was sort of the tail end of his career, and he was a past his prime when he went to New England, but he still had a player's reputation who you know had a big ego and could sometimes detract from the team. If you think about his mooning celebration, I think the uh, one big difference, you know, things like that. I heard this referenced as well. I think the one big difference, though, is that Randy Moss, he wasn't at – I don't think he was actually past his prime. I think it was more like he was in Oakland and didn't give a crap. So it's just kind of like Randy Moss's problem was always lack of effort when he didn't feel like it. And when that happened is that he didn't go in. You can't be past your prime and then suddenly accelerate hit the accelerator when you go to New England and break the and break the record for passing touchdowns. You know, caught. You can't you can't flip the switch quite to that degree. It was more like he was dogging it in Oakland and then suddenly he had a real quarterback and he decided to hit the afterburners. Because if you went back and watched that 2007 season, Randy Moss was able to run at full speed. And, and if you go back one year before that in Oakland, it was like he was running in, in molasses. And it's more That one is more due to effort than anything else. He was at the tail end of his career, but his attitude problem was more disinterest, where Antonio Brown seems to be like, even when things are going well, even when you've got a good situation, where technically you're a perennial contender, where Oakland wasn't a perennial contender when Randy Moss was in Oakland, you... He doesn't seem to be interested in that. And if you go to the conspiratorial theory, is that, okay, well, I guess you're willing to forego money to get into a contender position, even though you were already in a contender position before you got yourself kicked out of Pittsburgh. So it's just an odd decision. Yeah, I don't, I don't really buy it. I honestly feel like, I mean, I'm not a doctor, so I'm not going to speculate on, on sort of what may or may not be going on medically with with Antonio Brown, but it, it seems to me that something's not right. And I, I, I think I probably want to leave it at, at that. We don't want to speculate if it, if it's something wrong with his head. That's really what it comes down to is Yeah, and that, and that and that could be a lot of different things potentially if there is. Most people, even most football players who have egos who cause trouble, like T.O. never did this. He never pulled this kind of thing. No, because the right? ones was very the thing is, a lot of people look at diva wide receivers, and it is the position most known for this. Most diva wide receivers have very clear motivations. That's why I say. That's why I say, like the Randy Moss thing. I understand the similarity. I understand why people draw that comparison. But Randy Moss was straightforward. He cared about two things. He wanted a situation that interested him and money. If you provided him one or both of these things in New England, he was given a situation where they were a potential contender right away. 
And as soon as you do that, well, now he's interested. So all of a sudden he's motivated. So all of a sudden he was he, he got his full speed back. All of a sudden his hands, you know, he was catching balls that he was dropping in Oakland. Things like that. It wasn't magic. It was just, okay, now he's engaged. Now he's into it. No, I'll give you I'll give you that, but my point was not so much about his talent. It was about New England willing to take people like that, right? And and Belichick uh his willingness to take players who have that kind of edge to them, right? It's also the fact that New England was historically smart enough to get them for ten cents on the dollar. Well, that too. So that so if it's a low enough risk, Bill Belichick has historically said, like, look, I lose nothing. In, in the Randy Moss situation, if Randy Moss had gone in there and been an attitude problem, if he wasn't producing, they would have just cut his ass. <laughs> it would have been really simple. They don't care who it is. They would- and they do this, and I, they, I have no doubt that they would do the same thing with Antonio Brown. If that, if it becomes bigger distraction, they'll cut him too. Correct. But that's where that's where I alluded to. It was like I, I fully expect that. But that's why I didn't understand the guaranteed money component. He, he didn't. Yeah, have and I agree. With, I agree with you. I agree with you on that too. Give him nothing. There, there's really make him play week to week. I go. We'll pay you the 15 million if you make it to the end of the season. That, that's perfectly fine. But I wouldn't have given him $1 guaranteed. That That's the part that I was a little perplexed about. I was like, it's not like you can say, well, what? then Antonio Brown won't want to come play. It's like, well, if you don't want to come play in New England, well, they'll take a shot at it where they've actually got a good team and where you've got your best opportunity, then I'm sorry. Who else wants you? Else yeah. You, you know, I'm, and I think it's a, it's a position where the player, after what happened in Oakland, with, you know, what happened in Pittsburgh compounded with what happened in Oakland, the player is not the one who has the power. The power resides with the teams, right? And I feel New England could have exercised more power in this and, and you know, probably could have pushed for, since he's not going to play, like, realistically, although you said, you know, you've alluded to the fact that he might dress tomorrow just to kind of mess with Pittsburgh. I don't think he's going to play. So if he's not going to play in the first game anyway... Well, he can't play. I, he's not eligible. Okay. But the... Um, the willingness to sign him so quickly or the or the impetus where you say, hey, I have to do this now. Well, if he's not going to play anyway in week one, you have a bit of time. It didn't have to happen like the day, the same day. They could have waited a couple of days. I think the they just chose not to. I think the speed at which they did it, it would give credence to that whole conspiracy theory thing that people suggest that through channels, New England stated that, hey, if you got yourself out of Oakland, we'd pick you up. We, and you know what? And And – that may have happened anyway, yeah. but in sort of less a conspiracy theory way in the sense that maybe they saw, you know, the stuff start to go down in Oakland. So maybe it was never sort of planned out from the beginning, but they started to start to see what happened with Oakland. And maybe somebody from New England uh, or associated with New England reached out to the representatives and said, hey, look, I see, we see what's happened in Oakland if you can get yourself out of there. But I don't think it was as soon as he decided to that he was out of Pittsburgh, they orchestrated this big thing from the very beginning. I don't believe that. I think that idea suggests a level of planning that I don't know if Antonio Brown would be willing to do or participate in because it feels like it's working on le- several levels. In there. Now, Bill Belichick, I could see him coming up with something like that. But I think it's closer to an NBA tampering situation where once he ended up – I think he, he set up this contract with the idea of taking all this money because Oakland gave it to him. And then I think he decided – now, again, we're speculating on what's in his head. But I think at that point he decided that he wasn't interested. But I think there was a combination to it that Oakland actually decided to stand up to him a little bit. Even though they offered him the guaranteed money, they said, look, we actually want you to play football and actually do what we ask you to do. We're giving you all this money with the idea that you're going to do what we ask you to do. And I think Antonio Brown wasn't super interested in that. 
I will say that it, again, if it had been a con- my point that I made during the other the other podcast was if this was a convoluted plan to get to New England in the first place, well then you didn't need to go through all that trouble. You could have just signed. You could have just gone to Oakland, uh, to Oakland under your existing contract because you still had one. You could have stuck to that and then still gotten yourself booted out because the rest of it was a waste of time given the fact that, as I said, Oakland has voided the con- the guarantees. Now, you can try a grievance, but if you voided all the guarantees, it means, in effect, you went to Oakland and didn't make a dollar, which means it was a waste of time and energy and showing up to even the basic things you showed up to. What for? You could have just sat at home and done that. Totally. Yeah, so it's like a lot of extra work, it feels... If it was planned out, that's what leads me to not think it was planned out. It was more like just I'm rolling with it. And then at some point, someone gets a little flyer out to him saying, hey, this is a possibility. And then at that stage, he's like, then he makes a decision and says, all right, well, I can get myself out of here. I know how to do that. I'll just do a bunch of stuff, including the the recording of the John Gruden phone call, which if it is John Gruden is technically illegal in California. Can't do that without telling someone you're recording them and then posting it somewhere. It's kind of against the law. Then I think they should take him to court over that too. I, I would actually. This is what I, this is my thought. I was like, wouldn't that be like the perfect thing for Oakland to do at that stage? If P- Pittsburgh should be proud of them, go, you know, it was illegal, and he's not on your team anymore. You don't have to protect him. Why don't you take him to court? Just add one more layer and just make it even more fun for New England. <laughs> How petty can you get? I'm hoping for maximum petty, Dave. I want super petty. I want these teams to really take it out on each other. I'm okay with that. I think it's uh, it's good for the content, Dave. Good for the content. Let's do it. Oh my goodness! Like that's it's just you know what I mean. Like <laughs> there's just so much here. Yeah, Antonio Brown is what we would call, and it's one of the running jokes that I have uh, with Dave from years ago. It's that uh, Antonio Brown is a special player, Dave. Now ask me which kind of special. Which kind of special, Carlos? I'm thinking. Actually, I'm not going to answer that question because it would realm and not appropriate. But I will tell you after. But I will tell you that it is not special like the K. It is not special like a mother's love. And it is not Shannon Sharp special, which is – I think Shannon Sharp would agree that it is not Shannon Sharp special. He is not a special player making special plays right now. Right now he is a special man making special decisions. Not exactly the same thing. Yeah, and we'll see. Like I, I think this is far from over. I highly doubt that he, he goes to New England and stays quiet for long. No, that was the thing. And – Actually, one more thing that reminds me. One other point that I made in the other in the podcast extra, again, going back to the whole conspiratorial theory. If you subscribe to that idea, if that's you, again, we disagree. But if that's you, just bear in mind, and what I mentioned before, if he had made it onto the field in Oakland, he would have been guaranteed $14.5 million, could have still gotten himself cut, and would have pocketed that money. And Oakland would have been on the hook for it. That's the Kaiser Soze master plan move. That's how you do it. This is just stupid. That yeah. went away. Get the $14.5 from Oakland and then go to New England anyway. I don't disagree with you. Who's advising this man? This man needs a role model. What is wrong with this guy? I mean, he needs Carlos. That's what he needs. Yeah. If we're going to do petty, I'm good at that. This is the advice I'd give you. Get the money from Oakland and from New England. That's the boss move. Oh, Antonio, when will you learn? Yeah. Anyway, exactly. I think that's it for me, for Antonio Brown, for now, until he does the next ridiculous thing. And I'm still disappointed. My prediction before the season is not going to come to pass now. Now I will not get my Antonio Brown dressed up as the mascot. I don't know. You still might. It's possible. I'm not. I'm not. As the Oakland Raiders mascot while in New England? I think that would be great. England don't play Oakland, do they? I'll check the schedule. But like I said, as far as Antonio Brown is concerned, no other thoughts on that? We're good with that one? No, I think that what I would just say is, I mean, I know we've sort of done a truncated version here and just discussed a couple of things, 
But I would I would encourage people who are listening to go and watch or listen to the UN pod extra that you recorded earlier this week because I feel that talks about a lot of the other points and goes into a little bit more detail. Plus, I think the one thing that's beneficial is that you give a little bit of history of Antonio Brown and where he's come from and sort of how things have gone down, which I think is worth paying attention to as well. Yeah, I think it gives some context because it's too difficult if you ignore the history going back to the end of his tenure in Pittsburgh, then it feels even more random. It's still random, but it feels even more so if you don't take into account that it it wasn't this this rapid move lately. It was just the most recent chapter. But there yeah. were chapters going back years where Antonio exactly. made a bunch of questionable decisions that led to more questionable decisions. Yes, and for the record, the uh, Raiders and the Patriots do not play each other this year. Yeah, season. I just scanned that, and that's unfortunate. That's a shame. Maybe you could just do it in a game that has nothing to do with the Raiders. Does it really? Does it really? Does one thing really stop another? Does it not really. Happen? So I'm not going to say best of luck to Antonio Brown because, frankly, I feel like uh, karma should punish him a little bit for this nonsense. That would be my preference. If the football gods are listening, I'd like to. I'd like to see him not really cash in on this. I think that would be for the best for everyone. It would be justice. I'll leave it at that. That's kind of the the main thought process and some week one thoughts early on. As far as that's concerned, I'm going to kind of truncate it a little bit. There really isn't – what I'm looking forward to is week two. What I'm looking forward to is the Monday night games. What I'm looking forward to is a lot of football here coming up. And I'm looking forward to – we're going to be approaching the middle of September. We're getting into some pennant races. I'm looking forward to Cody Bellinger and Christian Yellick and Mike Trout and all those guys going for the home run title in Major League Baseball. They're trading, they're trading home runs back and forth. That's the kind of stuff I'm looking forward to. So in general – Right now, we're heading into one of my favorite months of the sports calendar. We're getting close. We're approaching mid-September. October is one of my favorite months of the sports calendar. We're getting real close to that, Dave. We're getting close. We're doing the pennant drive. We're getting close to playoff baseball, which is my favorite type. Yeah, which is awesome. Yes. Uh, I'll give you uh, three things real quick. Well, two things I'm looking forward to. So, obviously, I'm looking forward to tomorrow's game, the Saints game, Monday Nighters. Uh, so, I'll give you that. Second thing I'm looking forward to also happens on Monday. It happens at 8 o'clock in the morning. Uh, Canadian men's basketball team is playing their last game in the World Cup against Germany. Uh, they have obviously not qualified for the Olympics through this tournament as they had hoped. But what they are hoping for is that they get a higher ranking because of a, hopefully a win tomorrow. And then that will move them along in a different qualification tournament and get a higher ranking and hopefully get a better group to progress out of that. And I also want to give a shout out, because it happened, uh, to Bianca Andrescu, the first Canadian to win a Grand Slam tennis title, uh, who won the U.S. Open yesterday. So I just want to give a shout out to her. And that is all I have for you, my friend. Exciting times, exciting times. All right, time for shameless plugs, and then we're heading out. First of all, on Instagram, at Unnecessary Podcast. Twitter, at Unnecessary underscore pod. Our site is unnecessarypod.podbean.com you can check out this podcast at iTunes, Spotify, Google Play wherever you get your podcasts as well as YouTube if you look up Unnecessary Nonsense Podcast type that in and you will find it it's good to if you do want to check it out do check out that place because while I did put the Unnecessary Nonsense Podcast extra on the podcast feed I don't always do that the Antonio Brown thing warranted it it needed to be there but sometimes there'll be some thoughts on something that happens, something like that, and it'll end up on the YouTube channel exclusively. So it's a good place just to check out. From time to time, there'll be something on there. If there's something special or a different thing that didn't make the podcast, it'll end up on there. With that said, I'll leave that for myself and for Dave. We will catch you on episode 31 of the Unnecessary Nonsense Podcast. <laughs>